Welcome back, everybody, to the Mainland Podcast. This is episode number 56. I am Michael Citro from TheMainland.com, the managing editor and founder. Uh, here with me this week, Andrew Harrison. Andrew, how are we doing this week? I'm doing pretty good. I, if I could go back and erase Monday's game, I certainly would try. Yeah, what a bummer, man. I mean, I stayed home from the big fireworks show up in Sanford um, with my family, which I guess kept me from getting rained on a bit, but... Uh, I probably would have been less miserable getting rained on for a while than watching that performance Monday night, Orlando City against FC Dallas. Uh, Just basically from the opening kick, a lack of energy, a lack of urgency, a lack of spirit, and it was only a matter of time before a good team like Dallas will will make you pay for that kind of performance. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, I, I don't even really want to describe it as a performance. It was basically just 11 guys wearing a shirt running around a field. They didn't have any element of like a game plan or people really trying. And I think we really came undone and and Dallas deserved it. I mean, they're doing really well in a really strong conference in the West. um, And they showed the gulf in class between East and West on Monday night. And we just happened to be the the Eastern side um, that took that shellacking. Yeah, it was uh, it was one of those games where I thought maybe things were pretty going pretty decently. Outplayed a, a pretty good uh, Toronto team, got a win. Um, absolutely dominated in the midweek in the uh, Open Cup game, but didn't couldn't find the net. And so I, I just thought that kind of a you know that kind of play would would continue on, uh, but. It did not. In fact, it was it was a really it was it was almost as big. A, it was almost as if the entire team took it really hard that Adrian Venter left on on uh, last Friday, and we'll get more into that in just a bit. But you know, it, I, I guess probably the less said about the game, the better. But the the big disappointment for me was set piece defending and people getting picked and giving up easy goals off of corners and set pieces. That was. Um, you know, the downfall of of two of those goals and pretty much took the team out of the game. Yeah. And I think it's one thing that we'd almost kind of thought was kind of pretty solid. We'd kind of developed that partnership. People weren't getting burned. And then we just saw such a colossal breakdown um, and and such monumental ball watching um, Mm. on set pieces, which it, it hurts from a fan's point of view, but it also hurts from a just a love of the game point of view to watch somebody so carelessly ball watch um, and and really make us pay. I mean, they had two defenders score. Any game where that happens, you know that you had a bad all-round performance. Um, mm-hmm. Not just on set pieces. And I, you know, David Mateos is definitely at fault for a lot of those um, on Monday. I, I just it's just such a colossal breakdown all over the the pitch. You look at the box score. And we had two shots. They had almost 22 shots. Um, huh. It was a almost, I had flashbacks to the SKC game where yeah. if we hadn't had a man of the match performance from Joe Bendick, we probably lose that game double figures. And and the, some of the goals that he saved um, were ones that you should have expected to go in, such as his point blank save from goal of the week, um, from save of the week. Um, mm. And then other ones you just, he was just totally let by down by his defense. And that is something that has to improve. And unfortunately, there is no real person I see standing on the sidelines that's going to come in and rescue this defense right now. 
Yeah, Adrian Heath took a team out there that I thought, you know, he said all week, you know, not really sure if Shea's going to play left attacking mid now that Venter's gone or if it's going to be Rivas. He didn't even take Rivas with him, so that wasn't even an option. Yeah. Um, didn't even make the trip, and that's that's a curious move considering the fact that a, a guy with his pace and who has shown an ability to cross the ball maybe as good as anyone in the entire league is being left out of the 18, and, you, you know... I don't want to say that this is a sign that he's going to be transferred out during this window, but I mean, that's what you do with players that you're going to transfer is you don't play them. Like when, uh, when uh, Leanne Sanderson didn't make a trip, uh, she was transferred shortly thereafter. It was, a, it was, a, it's, it can sometimes be a sign that this player is on his way out and we don't want to get them hurt and mess up the deal. So, um, you know, I put that out there on Twitter and people overwhelmingly surprisingly, were against that. They want Rivas to play. A lot of them want him developed, or at least, you know, to hang on to him and see if he can, if his value will go up before he gets sold, and and that kind of thing. There are a few people that said, yeah, let's move him out and get a new DP, um, which apparently these people aren't paying attention to how much money the club is spending these <laughs> days. <laughs> uh, they're not spending a lot, folks. Uh, but yeah, it's. It, it it was an interesting reaction to say the least, and for me, I'm I look at Rivas's minutes played and the production in terms of goals, assists, and I see a guy who I would live with his mistakes and his occasional switching off to get that production. But that's just me. What do you think? Um, I think you know, going to the fans for a second. I think the reason that they're willing to see Rivas stay is because they really want to see Shea stay at right back. Uh, left back because they don't think that we have any other option and based on mm. Bowden's performance the other day I'm beginning to think we don't have any other option at left back um, and that's why he plays there a lot of the time um, mm. I I would certainly be able to put up with his errant shooting um, my one thing that I can't stand as a fan is that continuous switch off if you want to play for this team you have to attack as well as defend you have to get back you have to play the full 90 minutes and that's mm -hmm. my one downside for Carlos Rivas um, I, I don't see him being on the trading block right now I don't think he's done enough for this club to move him out and get the money that it needs that it spent to sign him we don't know what that was I'm sure they gave up a lot um, in the league office to make this deal happen. I don't expect him to go anywhere in the short term. I do think it was very surprising that he said it was a toss-up, and then basically he doesn't even travel. That yeah. that's, that's a sign that there's a bigger problem in the front office and the coaching than there is anywhere else because that implies that if he is being shipped out the coach wasn't aware of it until somebody from the front office came down and said yeah we're trying to work a deal with him don't take him that scares me a little because we just see we don't see any sign of Vinter leaving and then all of a sudden one day he's gone yeah I I think it, and we'll get to Vinter here in a minute I, I think maybe this is a case of Adrian Heath saying you know I don't know who's going to play to try to play a little of mind games with Dallas. Maybe um, he must have known Saturday who was going to play on Monday by Saturday. He must have known because uh, I think the player, the, the team sheet goes up the last practice before they travel or the last practice before the game uh, game day, the day before. So Sunday, when they showed up to training, the team sheet would have been on the wall. Uh, I don't think he says that Saturday 
for anything other than to not put out there who he's playing. Um, unless there is a deal in the works. There's no other real reason. I mean, because I, We're shorthand. I, we've seen we've seen almost from the beginning that Carlos Rivas has not gotten playing time. Um, we've seen that there's no there's not a trust level. There's not a tr- there wasn't a trust level with Brian Rochez. There's not a trust level with with Carlos Rivas. And I wonder how much of this is. These are Paul McDonough guys that maybe he wasn't all in on, mm. um, or maybe he was kind of excited and tr- intrigued by them. But once he got them in camp, they weren't what he wanted, and he's sort of stuck with them. I don't know, but it, there, there's definitely a disconnect between coach and player, uh, between Carlos Rivas and, and Adrian Heath. There's there's something going on there behind the scenes that either. He's from what I've seen in the practices that I've been to, and, and granted, we're not available, we're not allowed to watch the entire practice, and I don't go to every training session. But from what I've seen, he seems to fit right in with what everybody else is doing. He doesn't seem to get yelled at any more than anyone else. Um, he doesn't seem to be singled out. He's not like sent down to dribble by himself at one end while everybody else is involved. I mean, it's not that kind of a situation. So I don't, from what I've seen on the training grounds in my limited opportunities to see it. I don't, I'm not seeing anything different than any other player, but when it comes to choosing the team, he's not there. So there's obviously a, something going on. And here's a young guy who's just got an incredible amount of physical ability. Um, you would like to see get developed and there's no way to develop it unless you get the guy on the field. And if he's not going to get on the field for Orlando city, he's got to play for Orlando city B. Uh, and and that's what OCB was done, but I think I feel like Pulis doesn't want to get stuck with another Brian Rochez, <laughs> and so he's not allowing that to happen. And when we talk about these guys coming in to develop, and the young DP program is about clubs taking risks, mm. paying the player the money that they think they deserve, and allowing them to develop that player and sell him out. Not necessarily require him to play for the team but as you say you have to get minutes to grow competitive action is the only way you become a better footballer um training is 50 percent of it but you have to go that extra way and i it hurts that we are not when we're shorthanded on a trip to one of the best teams in the west we don't take one of the fastest people we have Mm -hmm. that worries me and, and what's even more worrisome, not in the 18 for the Open Cup game. Yep. And, and that just, I mean, that screams that, you know, when you see it, you go, is he injured? Well, no, he was training just fine and wasn't limited at all on Saturday. I, I spoke with people that were at Saturday's training session, and I spoke with club officials. Everybody said, no, he's fine. He's, there's absolutely no restriction on him. So it's not an injury. So then the next thing you say is, well, if he's not even in the 18 for an Open Cup game when he's not getting minutes in MLS... He's got to be getting shipped. That, I mean, that just screams to me that he's getting transferred out because why else would you sit him and not use him? They could have easily used his pace when it was 10 v 10 Wednesday night. He would have dominated that game. And he probably they probably would have found a second goal long before the 90 minutes were up and certainly before the, the 120 minutes were up uh, last Wednesday night if he were on the pitch, even if it was just to set someone else up because of his crossing ability. Yeah, and we know that that's his tournament. He went up and destroyed Charleston Battery a year ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it, 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 Without knowing, and obviously we don't spend day in, day out inside this club, we are outsiders looking in 
95% of the time. We don't know what's going on, but what we do know is that a bunch of signings and draft picks that we have made are not getting those chances. So there's either Mm -hmm. an attitude problem, they don't fit with this system, which in Carlos Rivas's case, you can't say is the thing because we play with wingers with a lone striker up front. We need Mm -hmm. pace. You need crossing ability. That's two things that he has. Why wouldn't you take him? And especially when you see Kyle Aaron playing such a sad figure up front (laughs) in that FC Dallas game, you feel Mm -hmm. like he would have just been so much more motivated and could have played higher up the field than in the center circle if Carlos Rivas had been on the field. Sure, and that, you know the back line and the defensive midfielders were just chucking the ball forward anyway, so why not have somebody that can go yep. get it? Um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a curious decision to leave him out completely. I, I personally would have, would have wanted Shea to stay at left back and Rivas to have started on the left wing. I do think Rivas is better off the bench because when his – He's already faster than everybody else. When he comes in as a late sub, it's like a supercharged. You know, he's like he's like he's on turbo and on nitro, and everybody else is just you know driving around in Priuses. It's it's that kind of a disparity. And we've seen this guy take over games completely. You think back to the Colorado game last year. He absolutely destroyed their back line. Yep. When he did um, earlier this year, where him and Baptista came on. And he just mm-hmm. kept crossing balls into Baptista, and Baptista was like, "Thanks, let me put it in the goal." <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't appreciate, you know. And we've seen bad performances from Breck, and coaches come out and said, "No, he's learning the position, he's figuring mm-hmm. it out." And then we we let Vinter go, and it's immediately like, "Well, I guess we're just going to play him at left midfield because that's where he was while he played for Dallas, while he played for Stoke, <laughs> and basically his entire career." But as soon as we find another option, we'll shove him back into hopefully making it so that he can play left back again. Yeah, it, it seems like a big experiment that never ends. And there's never just any solidification to where, OK, this is where you're playing. Let's get it figured out and let's get some continuity. I, I talked to f- uh, friends around the league and I asked them, like, how did your defense get so much better in a year? Well, it's just playing the same two center backs all the time. Well, Orlando City's got three center backs <laughs> and they're rotating the heck out yeah. of them they're not just picking two guys and staying with it. It's just a rotation. Like I, I, I definitely thought that we would see a different um, starting pair than we saw, because I didn't think that the guys who went 120 minutes in the midweek would go at Dallas yeah. on the road, but that's where we were. And then of course, Tommy got taken out, um, you know, for Seb and maybe part of that was to save some legs for Friday night against uh, Houston, which we'll, we'll talk about Houston in just a little bit. Um, but, but, you know, Seb Hines, again, is, is he's the best header of the ball in the back line, and he wasn't in there. And, of course, uh, set pieces were a problem. So uh, I, it, there were a lot of curious decisions for me. I, I mean, you know, I don't um, – I'm not a coach, and I don't, I don't like to criticize coaches because they – obviously, their, their success in the league is, is tied to – or their, actually their, their livelihood is tied to success and winning games. So they don't go into games thinking I'm just going to do weird stuff. They, <laughs> they actually want to win and they have a plan, but I don't have to agree with that plan. And I didn't agree with Adrian Heath's plan uh, for Monday night. I'm going to assume since, and I said this cause I did the grades this week. I'm going to assume that your man of the match is Joe Bendick. I mean, there's, there's not even a close second person. By default, yeah. yeah. That's what I said. I said <laughs> in the grades, I said there's, there's like no, 
there's not even any chance that I could have picked an outfield player to be man of the match. There's just there was just nothing there. Uh, so he gets it by default, even though he gave up four goals, <laughs> because uh, he did make a few pretty vital saves to keep it from being just even more embarrassing than it was. Yeah. I didn't think Dallas needed to throw one in at stoppage time. That was kind of mean. <laughs> well, uh, but... <laughs> I, I think, you know, I mean, he still made six saves on the night. Yeah. And the, uh, you look at Seitz's box score, and it's just like, it's just no, no saves. saves because <laughs> we didn't do anything to him. Like, yeah. and, and that's, this is a worrying trend that is really starting to take over this club in that yeah. we just, we're not even getting shots never mind goals yep well friday night kaka met justin bieber uh and then we you know or was it thursday night and then we found out that adrian venter was leaving the club and you know then there was a loss i I think that's the it's the curse it's the justin bieber curse yeah uh (laughs) I, i i don't believe in curses but i think that this it's been such a bad July Fourth weekend for this club. You got to put it on somebody's shoulders, and the Bieber yeah. makes sense. Yeah, let's put it on the Biebs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Adrian Vinter leaving. Now this is a, a thing. It was it was spun by the club as a mutual decision based on family matters. Um, I have heard rumors. I haven't heard anything solid, but the, what I have heard is that um, there was a visa problem for his uh, some of his family. So they weren't able to come over here and that he was maybe pressured by his family to return to Switzerland. Um, I have absolutely no problem with a player uh, who gave everything for this club doing what is right for his family. And so I, I figure, you know, for me, Adrian Venter, always a lion, forever a lion. And um, you know, thank you for your service, Adrian. And, uh, you know, it's going to be tough replacing him because one thing you could count on with him is even when he wasn't involved in the game, he was always working hard, and he would never, you could never question the work rate, and that is something you could question about every single outfield player that played on Monday. Yeah, and I think my one thing that I took away from Monday's performance as well, other than the abject horror of the outfield team was that how much work he did on the left side that you didn't realize you always knew that when he came off he was absolutely gassed but he was he was filling in for breck or when breck was overlapping he was traveling back but he was a true box-to-box midfielder and i think he left it on the line every single game and i think he's going to be a big miss um he was low in the cap chart like he was low in the cap he was a really good servant to this club. We gave a lot of people increases this year, and we didn't see an increase in their performance. So I'm going to sad to see him go. I will say, though, I feel not to do him detrimental. Obviously, professional footballers travel all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. It's a risk that they take to have that career. Um, I, I wish him all the best, but I, I wish he could have given us to the end of the season. Yeah, I, I wish that too. I, I also did hear that maybe some family member of his had a uh, either difficult pregnancy or, or problems with their with a young child. I'm, I'm I don't have all the details for that, so I don't want to really get into that. But I mean, obviously, if there are health issues involved in the family, that that had to play into it as well. And I'm I'm hopefully everybody's okay and, and Adrian's family is fine, and and hopefully it all works its, itself out. But uh, Adrian Venter will be missed. His final goal as a Lion came a week ago against 
Toronto, and uh, you and I were were right there to see it in that end of the stands, and uh, it was a pretty big goal. Yeah, and I think that was what he brought to this club. He was the person who kept going and wanted to win games. It was a it was a game changer. It meant that we were still in the ability to win that game, and it's just going to be a loss. But let's just talk about this for a second too. We lose Colin and Vinter to potential visa problems in the same season. Either they need to find a new lawyer who does player visas, or they need to stop buying international players. <laughs> well, my understanding of Colin's situation <laughs> is that. He's married to a Venezuelan, and there are some issues with Venezuela that our government has, and that created an issue with his visa where there wasn't one previously. Uh, so he's, he lost his domestic status because of that, basically. Uh, yeah, I heard that he had to give it up because they had kind of jumped a hoop incorrectly, and so she was never going to get on green card track. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand it. I just... I. I I feel like this game has been played for 20 years now in this league, and somehow we've <laughs> lost two players of meaning to this club um, in six months. Yeah, perhaps, but I, I don't think that I don't think that it, or, I don't think Aurelian Collin was a favorite of Coach Heath, uh, yeah. you know, Adrian Heath, and, and I don't think that he was going to play. Um, uh, you know, one defender that I. I had spoken to said that they didn't like playing with Aurelian because they never really were sure where he was going to be at any given time, um, which certainly makes things tougher. And, you know, for I've heard people say he's playing great in New York, but every time I see the Red Bulls play, I see this guy mm-hmm. pulling his back line out of shape. Yep. And he did it the other day and got away with it. Um, he, he went for a tackle on, I believe it was Via, who put just pushed the ball under his leg and ran past him, and it was a dangerous chance. And I think I thought, well, you know, that's what you get with Aurelian is you're going to get spectacular tackles and a lot of nervy moments. Uh, he also had a high boot in the in the box that could have been disastrous had he made contact with the player. So, um, but he luckily got the ball before the player got there. So, uh, Aurelian's still doing Aurelian things. Um, I think it's easy to have revisionist history and say that we're get, we're we're shipping goals left and right, so we shouldn't have got rid of him, uh, especially since we only are down to three center backs. But I don't care if we're down to two center backs; just play two guys and let them build some some chemistry. You know, yep. um, we're not seeing that, and that's that's definitely been a problem. So anyway, let's let's move on now. Uh, Monday was depressing enough; we don't need to dwell on it anymore, and and we will miss Adrian Venter. Uh, I'm especially because like every single time he scored, it was like he just scored the World Cup winning goal. Mm-hmm. He cele- he celebrated like every goal it, it was the was the cup winner, and that really was good to see. It was fun to watch him. Um, the Pride had the weekend off, Andrew. Mm-hmm. So we should see some very interesting things when they come to play on Sunday against Boston at Camping World Stadium, the big campground. Uh, they're going to be playing with a back four that looks very unfamiliar. Uh, there will be no Steph Catley. There will be no Jose Belanger. There will be no <laughs> Monica. There will be no Laura Alloway. There will be no defense. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Tony Presley, I'm sure, will be in the, in the central defense. Who is with her is anybody's guess, but we've we've uh, our reports, our little birds at the practice are saying – you know that some some of the backliners have been like we know Sam Vitteman can uh, Vitteman can play um, 
some fullback. We know she can do that. She did that in, in college. Uh, you know, we know Cammy Levin can play some fullback. Uh, and even if she needs to, Kristen Edmonds could play fullback. Um, but who's going to play that other center back? And I've been hearing the name Kaylin Kyle. What are your thoughts on this back line? And, you know, it, it maybe is this the, the best thing that could possibly happen schedule-wise to be playing Boston at this point? It is, but I, I feel like, you know, sinking tides, you know, no, rising tides lifts all boats. <laughs> and the breakers are really coming down to us at a perfect time. I mean, Kyle has the ability to play in the midfield because if she's kind of got that no Sereno factor a little bit that if you accidentally make the wrong move, you've at least got the ability to recover it or have somebody push up and replace her. If she's playing at center back and she gets burned, it's basically one-on-one -on -one against the goalkeeper and... Mm -hmm. Well, no, we'll get to this, but there's no Ashlyn Harris, who is up for probably the world record of save of the weeks in a single season. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, it concerns me a little that we're going to see, yes, we're going against the current worst team in the league, but we're not just missing that back line. We're missing people ahead of that too. So moving mm -hmm. somebody like Kyle back who has some good talent in the midfield means that we're sacrificing that set too and yeah. that means that do we see any offensive production on Sunday it's going to be a toss-up do we see a lot of shots on our goal you can pretty much almost guarantee it mm -hmm. yeah it, we're going to have to see some improvement from Christina Birkenrode she's going to have to get some more minutes Jamia Fields is going to get more minutes um you know they're gonna they're gonna have to get some more offense from Jasmine Spencer, who has been good lately with the with the offense. She's scored in the last couple games. Uh, Kristen Edmonds has to do more up front. Um, Danny Weatherholt's probably gonna get to see more playing time. I mean, you're gonna see it all over the pitch the depth or lack thereof. It's gonna show. <laughs> it's gonna show. But yeah, Alex Morgan being gone is gonna is gonna hurt quite a bit because her movement alone could free up other players. And without her, there's nobody whose movement is going to free up other players because nobody's gonna have that much respect for the rest of the roster. And you mentioned, you know, Ashlyn Harris being gone. Aubrey Bledsoe broke her leg. Um, she did tweet out that she'd be that she didn't need surgery. She'd be back by the end of the season. But then she mysteriously took that tweet down within 24 hours. And Orlando Pride announced today that she is uh, on the uh, season-ending disabled list. So she is gone for the season officially. And the club signed Caitlin Savage uh, to be the goalkeeper, along with Megan Dorsey, a, a, an amateur player that ha they had brought in previously. Uh, Caitlin played at FIU, Florida International. And um, she had a, a very good record, very strong record for that school. I'm not sure how good they are at soccer, but she was uh, one of the better keepers that have ever played there for for FIU and then she went over and played some professional games in Australia for a few years. She was a, a keeper of the year in the W league and that's a pretty solid league, Andrew. Yeah. I, we, you know, a lot of our players, our, our first team, our first lineup, um, go and play in the W league in the off season. So it has a lot of quality. We're seeing a lot of our players that are based in Australia. It is a country that really likes women's soccer. And so the mm -hmm. fact that she's in the top of the game for a really competitive league um, makes us a great signing for us. It's a big loss for um, Harris and Bledsoe, but it's nice to see that the club has really gone outside of the remit of NWSL and, and trying to 
scout talent around the world. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they use that uh, international slot that they got in the Leanne Sanderson deal because, uh, for one thing, uh, Caitlin Savage is from Washington. She does not require uh, an international slot. So even though she's coming over from overseas, she is an American, and there's uh, there's no need to use up an international slot. The team has two. I would like to see them at least use one of them because they, they got a slot for 2016-2017 for Sanderson, and if they don't use it, then that was basically an asset that they – that they that they don't have at least maybe they could even trade that slot and get a player back to to provide some depth uh, during this month long decimation that they're going through. Yeah, and I think going back to Bledsoe tweeting out, obviously we you know the roster situation in NWSL is so tight. I'm sure mm-hmm. that to make this signing happen, they had to put somebody on a on a and season ending list just to mm-hmm. get that in for all season because we saw Cammy Levin go on a 45 DL. As soon as she came back, I believe they had to drop somebody else. And so it's all, you know, all NWSL politics that. So <laughs> I'm sure she'll be back and fit and healthy, but, you know, it's the way it goes. Yeah, because Cammy's the one that had the appendicitis. Yes. Yeah, she had the emergency appendectomy. So she should be fine and, and good to go. Um, and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Caitlin Savage is a good player. I, I've... I've seen highlights of her, and, you know, she looked good on tape. Um, and I'm sure she's accomplished. Uh, Tom Sermani seems pretty pleased to have gotten a player of this caliber in the window just when they needed her most, and, and obviously not having to use uh, uh, not having to use an international slot uh, and getting that goalkeeper exemption from NWSL uh, for Ashlyn Harris being away for extended uh, duty with the international team is, is, is big. So uh, the Pride are back in action. Uh, I believe it's five o'clock on Sunday against the Boston Breakers. Come on out to the campground and uh, and enjoy, because it, it, if you could definitely say we have no idea what's going to happen in this game. <laughs> it could be a bloodbath, or it could be one of the best games of soccer you've ever seen. That's right. Uh, all right, so the last little bit of business before we get to this week's game or this Friday's game against Houston, uh, Orlando City B going out and getting a one-one draw against uh, a pretty tough Charlotte team that uh, that definitely held the better of the play for most of the of the night. I thought that Orlando City B did well toward the middle to middle part of the first half onward till halftime and then again it got a little bit scattered after the half uh, uh, Charlotte changed some things up and I thought um, uh, Anthony Pulis's group though even when they're not at their best still getting a result. And that's something we would definitely have not seen in the first month of the season. Yeah, the, the growth amongst this team across the board has been great. It's the fact that, you know, from the first, the MLS side, we're just seeing, we're seeing a, way, a performance go one way and then we don't seem to have the ability to change it. At least in OCB, we're seeing one thing, the opponents make a change and then we can go out and make that change to counteract it. Mm-hmm. That's that's good coaching. That's good ability from the young players to be able to grow and read the game better. Um, it's nice that they're also starting to compete. Obviously, Charlotte sound, Independence sounds like a new team, but they were reborn out of the Charlotte Eagles, so they knew what they were doing too. I think it's a good win. It keeps them in the hunt for the playoffs. Or a good draw. Or a good draw, sorry. Um, <laughs> to you know, keeps them in the hunt for the playoffs, which is a, if we'd said two months ago, I, we couldn't see this team even make getting close to the playoffs. They were that bad. Yeah. I didn't see five wins in this team. Uh, at the end of the first month, it was just, they didn't even look like they knew who each other were when they were on the pitch together. Yeah. 
uh, and even players that were very well celebrated were not were not performing well. Michael Cox has come on and he's all but just basically nailed down that position when Haji Berry is not with the senior club. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a, a good job. He still has a ways to go. He's he's still a little bit um, loose with the ball at his feet sometimes, but there are sh- there there are so many signs that he could blossom and be an MLS player uh, f- from him. He's got great strength. He he understands the game. Sometimes his touch lets him down. Sometimes his decisions let him down. But, um, you know, you can say that about a lot of MLS players, for that matter. Uh, he's he's definitely a player that's been on the rise. Uh, Zach Hayden is a guy who uh, came in for Tyler Turner, who got uh, suspended two games. And Zach played so well that he got to start again with Tyler Turner back in the fold. And uh, Turner came on late and played in the midfield a bit. But um, it, it was good to see him play. Mikey Ambrose continues to play well. Uh, Pierre De Silva obviously is playing well. Tony Rocha, the, the, the guys are starting to put things together, and it should be mentioned they were playing without their on-field leader uh, over the weekend as uh, Lewis Neal was sus- uh, suspended for a red card uh, the previous <laughs> game at FC Montreal. That's not uh, that's, <laughs> this is not a, uh, a recording. This is <laughs> it is it is actually a podcast, but it's it's not a skip in the recording. It's it's actually Lewis Neal getting another red card. So. Um, Good on OCB, good on Anthony Pulis and the guys. Noteworthy, Brian Rochez did not make the 18. Uh, and he actually had come on and, and did well and got an assist in his last appearance. So, again, maybe there's something going on there. Maybe he's transferring out. Maybe the team is cutting its ties with these two young DPs and, and going in a new direction. The window is open until August 3rd, and I think in the next few weeks we'll maybe get a clearer understanding of what's going on. Yeah, I, I don't see how these guys don't move on, um, especially Rochez. When you can't even make what is really the third string, if you count the bench for, for the main <laughs> OCB side, um, you can't make that in a team that is really growing. Um, but, you know, hats off to Michael Cox, Pierre de Silva, Rocha. They are really making it hard for somebody like him to get in the lineup. Mm-hmm. They are playing for their position. And when we also talk about having a consistent center-back partnership, Devron Garcia and Connor Donovan could have played better than any of the three guys we saw in Dallas the other day. <laughs> they certainly could have played harder. Um, yeah, they, they the effort you know, about Monday really continues to stick in the craw because um, that's one thing that you could usually count on with the Lions is even when they're not at their best, they're usually putting it all out there. And it's sort of been a staple of Adrian Heath's teams through the years in the USL and everything. It's like that they would usually give you the effort. Guys like, uh, you know, you you think back to guys like Alvarez and and uh, yeah, obviously Dom when he was here and guys like that. They're always putting forth their effort. Uh, Kevin, but uh, you know, Miguel Gallardo was a leader on the field. I mean, what, even the USL days, the team played hard. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't see that on Monday, and that's kind of the most disappointing thing i guess um let's just hope that it was just depression over adrian venter leaving and that they'll get over it and be ready to go on friday night i I hope so but let me let me just posit this if our season continues to go like this how about pulis and heath do a coach swap for the end of the month (laughs) and whoever gets the best results gets the head coaching job there you go it's we've heard of wife swap now we've got coach swap it's a game show let's put it on tv it's a reality show and we'll go uh, all right, so 
uh, we have to turn our attention to the Houston Dynamo, a team that Orlando City has never lost to an MLS player. <laughs> we're sticking to that fact. That's right, and we're and we're bringing in uh, an expert on the Houston Dynamo uh, to talk to us about that particular Texas team right after this. Joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, happy to have with us Derek Stowers, an editor over at Dynamo Theory, SB Nation's Houston Dynamo blog. Derek, thanks for joining us this week. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's good to have you. We, uh, you know, we have fond memories of our uh, trip to Houston last year because it was the first <laughs> MLS victory uh, for Orlando City after joining yeah. uh, you know, joining the league, and it was a very strange game in that. Um, the only goal scored was an own goal. Um, Tyler Derrick. But <laughs> Tyler Derrick, yeah, I think um, I, I think I had some almost fist fights over whether or not that was Pedro Ribeiro's goal, and I was wrong, I guess. But um, I kept saying, that's going to get changed. That's going to get changed. That's Pedro's goal. But no, uh, Tyler Derrick scored that one. So in a way, Orlando City has not scored a goal against a Texas MLS <laughs> team in three tries. Uh, I want to just start out by asking you a little bit about uh, Houston this year. Obviously, the West is a tough nut to crack. You guys are are, are sitting there um, with a point total that probably would only have you like two wins out of first place in the East. But in the West, really in danger of being really left behind. Is there is this team capable of, of making a run? You, I know that you told me offline about... Um, you know, since Owen Coyle left, that the team has uh, has had better performances. What what are your thoughts about the Houston Dynamo and their opportunity to get back in the playoff chase? Well, uh, <laughs> I think getting into the playoff chase is kind of lofty thinking for for most of us. So most of uh, the Dynamo fans were a little bit more content focusing on the Open Cup, and our next game is going to be against Dallas. So hopefully we can take it there uh you know you guys this last game um Mm -hmm. but really it's we can at least do better than worse in the west (laughs) and i think that we're we're beginning to get to that point and part of that was seeing owen coyle go it really was not that hard uh to say goodbye and i don't think it was hard for him to mutually depart either given how uh, the state of the team anyway, but uh, Barrett, he's, he's coming in and he's, you know, we, his first two games in charge, we got our first two road points, which we're still looking for our first win uh, on the road, but we got our first road draws with him. So that was encouraging. Uh, He got his first win yesterday against the Philadelphia union, you know, the top team in, in the East right now Mm -hmm. uh, here at home in Houston. So that was encouraging. But one thing that I wrote, uh, I think it came out, uh, today was that, uh, you know, we have to take each game at a time. And while the results encouraging, just a glance at the, uh, you know, the standings should put some perspective on the win. Well, and obviously you mentioned Owen Coyle leaving. What really changed around the club for you guys to really, really go on almost a winning streak based on your past performances before him leaving? <laughs> what what really changed? Uh, I, I'm going to say culture. 
Um, Wade Barrett is in every way form a player's coach because, you know, he was a player with a lot of history here in Houston. And, you know, uh, one thing that surprised me was how many, you know, he was named the interim coach alongside uh, Paul Caffrey and Paul Rogers, which are just two assistants. But, you know, he was kind of the head and that was an interim tag before the uh, international break for Copa. And during that time, all, you know, it was presumed that the Dynamo were going to use that international break to kind of expand their coaching search. But uh, players rallied. They tweeted their support and made their support for Barrett pretty public, which just goes to show the, the kind of impression he leaves on these players. Same kind of thing that he was a player. Defensive-based, but uh, he's kind of adding a little nuance because the game has changed since he's played. And he wants this kind of high-pressing style, but still defensively organized thing that just works the midfield really hard. <laughs> uh, Derek, one of the things that I found interesting this offseason one of the surprising moves for me was, was Philadelphia letting go of Christian Maidano. And, you know, he was one of their better players. And this mm-hmm. year, Philadelphia has actually played very, very well since, since losing him. But also, <laughs> he's, he's also played well for you guys, and, and so is Wenger. Uh, tell me about the two guys from Philadelphia and how they've kind of uh, changed the team a bit. All right. So, Wenger is the guy that has had more success than uh, Maidana. And Winger, he's a, you know, a two-way forward that puts a lot of work on the defensive end, which is why Barrett likes him a lot, and it's why Coyle liked him a lot. And he's he's versatile. He's he's quick. He can dribble very well. He's got a good shot, and he can pass. And he's pretty good in the air, too. And he even had one assist that he headed back a ball off of a bad corner, and Alex Lima scored, and that was Open Cup against Sporting Kansas City. That was a good example of the kind of stuff that he brings. But uh, Maidana, he, he's been in and out of the starting lineup. Uh, when he first when he first came in, uh, it was the idea that he was going to be our, you know, our number ten, our attacking playmaker, and that really didn't pan out. He was going to be the next Brad Davis because we had Brad Davis depart also as part of the, the off season. And Maidana was you know, expected to, to come into this role and be the V set piece taker and all that. But mm-hmm. he really hasn't come into that role. And it's been less about his performances per se than about the performances of the people that have outcompeted him. And that's uh, Alex Lima, Oscar Boniat Garcia, these guys have come in and worked really well. Like Boniak, for example, uh, when we re-signed him in the offseason, it was expected to be, oh, he's uh, right back depth, or, you know, he's depth. Mm-hmm. And now he's he's a starter. And, you know, he deserves to be because of the way he's playing. And he's a big part of uh, Wade Barrett's system of... He, he, he likes his, his left side. <laughs> yeah. So that's something that you guys should look for is a lot of link-up play between Demarcus Beasley, uh, Alex Lema, uh, Oscar Boniat-Garcia, 
or if Chaco Maidana plays him. Yeah, they just they work the, the left side very well. Well, and uh, one player that I think people kind of forget that Houston have is uh, Eric Cubo Torres. How do you guys uh-huh. go about getting the performance out of him that you expected? Really, what you know, Owen Coyle was kind of brought in to bring out. How do you get uh, the performance out of him that he had at Chivas? Both question and answer, and the big, well, I guess, short answer is he needs minutes. And long answer is he's not getting minutes because uh, other players are, are playing well. He doesn't fit necessarily this system very well because he's not – I wouldn't see him as a, you know, a true center forward. He needs someone to, to work off to, you know, kind of go underneath. And this system really doesn't allow for that very, very easily. Uh, but he, he's been gone the last – I'm going to say month or so because he was with maybe even longer than that. He's been uh, with uh, the Mexican. First, he was with the Mexican U23 team competing in uh, some youth tournament in France. I forget the name of it. And then he was doing Olympic qualifying training prep stuff or not qualifying, but Olympic training. Uh, But yeah, he just, so he, he is back in Houston right now, and he will be available, but whether or not they get him for for the Orlando game, is it's hard to say. He might, you know, want to reacclimate himself, especially because I don't think he's played with Wade Barrett yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's going to be an interesting thing. It's Kubo, I mean, there's sort of a logjam of forwards, right? There's, you know, Will Bruin, Kubo, uh Andrew Winger, Giles Barnes, uh, and the new kid, uh, Maro Manotas, who is, he keeps impressing more and more, especially, you know, well, every every chance he gets, if you check any uh, U.S. Open Cup stuff, he's just tearing it up with the, with the Dynamo in the Open Cup. He's looking like an expensive odd man out at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but... It's really just one of those things we're going to have to see how well he fits in with Wade Barrett. I think he can. It's just who do you who do you take out? And right now the right. midfield is pretty pretty full. So, Derek, um, you know, with you talked about Brad Davis leaving, and you know, Orlando City's still in its infancy in, in MLS, and to have an iconic fan favorite player leave like that, I mean, because I've experienced this before with guys like Brian Ching, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. how, Ooh, somebody's got some music playing. Somebody had a phone uh, ringtone there. Um, yeah, you never know what you're going to get on this show. Um, so what's it like as a fan of a team? Because someday, you know, Orlando City's going to lose Kaká. They're going to lose Kevin Molino, guys that, you know, are, are sort of, uh, icons on this team. What is it like as a fan to see that guy who's been, who's been there has been sort of the heart and soul and, and you know, has, has given you so many magical moments. What is that like to not only for to to say goodbye to him, but to end up playing against him in a in, in, within the conference? Yeah, and and for a rival, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's it's weird. Yeah, and you always hope that those like franchise players 
stay with you until they retire. And then they, you know, like Brian Ching, who is now uh, a director for the Houston Dash. Like, so they stay w- within the organization. And Wade mm-hmm. Barrett, another longtime Dynamo guy, you know, was in the, after he left, became assistant with Dominic Kinnear. And then it was an assistant under Owen Coyle, which helped Coyle uh, acclimate himself to MLS. And now he's the interim coach. Uh, you, you kind of always hope for something like that. But with, uh, yeah, with Brad Davis leaving, it, it's one of those things that's tough because you've seen so many moments where they've just come through. There's such great personalities off the field. Uh, you don't, it, it's like one of those breakups that's, you know, it needs to happen, but you don't want it to happen because his, his salary demands were just too high. He's getting up there in age, getting slower. He still has a killer left foot, but that can only take you so far. So especially as we're trying to rebrand ourselves a little bit with uh, new new life, new coach, all that, it is one of those things that needs to happen. And whew, especially when he scored against us in the, the U.S. Open Cup, <laughs> it, it's tough. But... Uh, yeah, it's just still you still root for the player, but not the club, right? That's that's pretty right. much <laughs> what what you do. Uh, well, it, you mean the club, but not the player, right? Just just the player. You hope that you know he's he's their best player, but they miss the player. Oh, I see, I see what you're saying. Once once he <laughs> leaves, you're still rooting for him to do well, but you don't want their team to do well. I got you. Yeah. Well, and obviously Houston is heading to Orlando. Um, you guys are looking for your first road win. Um, we are the only team in the East not yet to lose at home. Uns- I, we don't know how. Um, but how does Houston <laughs> get on the road and come to the Fortress of the Citrus Bowl and take three points? Uh, well, it, it's not going to be easy. Because our, our road record, as you just said, is just we're looking for our first road win and um, it seems like what we're going to have to do is play a complete game. And that's something that we haven't really done on the road. We haven't been 100% invested or mentally focused for that entire, for those entire games. There are games where like our, our loss to Portland, which it should have been a draw because there's bad penalty. Uh, but we had a two nothing lead coming into halftime and we were looking like the the best I've ever seen us play. And then the second half comes and it's just it's garbage. They have completely switched off. They've sat in <laughs> they're not looking like like the same team. Mm-hmm. And what they're gonna have to do is just have their game plan and see it through the whole ninety minutes. And that's gonna <clears throat> it's gonna be or that's going to mean, rather, just clog... The Dynamo are at their best when they have this high-pressing midfield and where they clog the midfield with, with their players and they, they basically let... Uh, they push the opponents into their own half. And, you know, when you keep a ball uh, away from your own goal, it's less likely to go in and it's more likely to go into the other goal if it's... Close enough. So why didn't we think of that? 
<laughs> it's pretty <laughs> simple, but it, it's it's harder to execute, especially when you're not focused. <laughs> but not focused. Hmm, I think we can relate to that coming <laughs> coming off of Monday. Um, it, it, it is weird how similar our clubs are in in you know home performance, road performance. Obviously, we're not as good at uh, with the home performances, but you know we only sit I think three points apart. And we still have a lot of the same struggles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Derek, before we let you get out of here, I definitely got to get your uh, – you talked a lot about the clogging up the midfield. So I'm guessing that your key matchup is going to uh, – first, you know, Friday night is going to come in that area. But I also want to get your score prediction and just your overall expectations for this game on Friday. All right. Um <laughs> I, I kind of have high hopes for this game coming uh, following our one nothing win over Philadelphia Union. They just played better. Uh, you know, they, they played better than I had seen them play in a while. They were mm-hmm. focused. They didn't give up much defensively. And the Union are a great team this year, like you said earlier. So I think that they're going to use that as a platform for them to to get them a first road win of the season. And I hope I'm not jinxing it. By, by you know predicting a win, but uh, I that's what I see, and I, I think it's going to be two one. So not everything's going to be neat in the back because we're still. <laughs> I think we will switch off a little bit, but I think they'll be able to see it out. All right, well, uh, Derek Stowers, editor at Dynamo Theory, thanks so much for joining us here on the Mainland Podcast, and uh, obviously you're. You're going to be part of our, uh, our question and answer exchange, which will drop on Friday morning uh, yep. on, ma- on match day. So uh, everybody will want to you know, tune in for that at the mainland. Derek, tell people how they can find you guys on uh, the Internet and on Twitter. Well, you can find me just on uh, – I never look up my own Twitter. This was our problem last time, I remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, dstowers410. Uh, on Twitter, I'm 90% sure about that. Uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me. And uh, I think that you can message on SB Nation and you can just look under the masthead for uh, for Dynamo Theory and I'll I'll show up. So mm-hmm. I can yep. confirm that you are D Stowers 410 on Twitter. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can confirm that. <laughs> and uh, it's DynamoTheory.com to uh, to check out the. Behind enemy lines, if you want to go and, and, and get information on the Houston Dynamo. Uh, Derek, thanks again, and uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Well, that uh, just about does it for episode 56 of the Mainland Podcast, but we have some business to take care of before we get out of here, Andrew. Um, and again, thanks to Derek Stowers from Dynamo Theory for stopping by and, and giving us the lowdown on the orange. Um, we actually have some questions uh, from Twitter this week, Andrew. Oh. Would, you, would you like to get to those? Yeah, we had taken a, we had taken a break, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, all right. So uh, Jake Beavers wants to know, uh, will Vinter ever come back? No. no. I, it's, if, if he left for family reasons and the club said au revoir, uh, he is gone. Yeah. Now, I think the door would be open if the situation were to ever change, but I don't expect that to happen at this point in his career. No. Uh, it's it's time to move on. Uh, winter was coming. He came, and he's gone. 
kind of like uh, the season. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so we must be in spring now. The spring is about rebirth and new life. Uh, I take that for this Orlando City side right now. <laughs> Gavin Eubank, our own Gavin Eubank, wants to know who won the race on Saturday. Gavin, it was Brad Keselowski. Brad Keselowski, driver of the number two Ford, won the Coke 0400 at Daytona International Speedway. I'm glad you knew which race he was talking about. I was like, was F1 on this weekend? They're just, there's just, <laughs> in my mind, there was no other race on Saturday. Oh, okay. But, but that said, um, you know, there's this thing called Google, Gavin. Hmm. Google it. We did say we would take any questions, though. So we that did. was a pretty and tame I, question from him. It was it was a tame question, <laughs> yes. But you know, we we're challenge us, man. Step up. Ask us the hard questions. Where should you take a date, for example, or something like that? Oof, that was a you mighty know? burn. <laughs> uh, I was not actually intended as a burn. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I'm, I think we're experts on this. That's why I suggest that, that people ask us, because they don't want to mess it up. Um, Connor wants to know, uh, do you think the entire team was just ungodly hungover from an early 4th of July celebration? What do you think? Hungover? Not, not at all. These guys are professionals. I We watch the Premier League week in, week out, who can play on New Year's Day, Boxing Day, all major holidays, you just don't do that. When you get paid the money that these guys are getting paid, they can abstain from drinking beer on a boat on a... <laughs> uh, I, I just... I, I don't see it. And if they were, that's on the front office, that's on the coaching staff, and I would expect the whole round of fines. Yeah, they um, they weren't hungover. The, the whole thing is you play and then you go yep. out. You know, and then you know you're then you miss the plane home from New York City and you get sent packing. <laughs> 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 no, no, or Dallas, wherever the case may be. Um, yeah, so no, they weren't they were not hungover. My my line during the game was that this team looks like they all uh, competed against Joey Chestnut in the hot dog eating contest because uh, that's the, just the way they were moving on the field. Um, but yeah, so maybe they had a hot dog hangover. Maybe they were eating along at home. Trying to trying to get that record of seventy hot dogs from Joey Chestnut. So, lesson for this week: no pasta and no hot dogs before games. Yeah, don't do that. Don't just don't do that. Um, and our own Brad Newton has a question: Ever mix a two L two liter with a pint? Yes, I've mixed a lot of alcohol and a lot of non-alcohol <laughs> together, and my liver is stronger for it. And you should try something once. Okay. That was a good one. I like that one. We'll have more of those from Brad. Yeah. Okay. Brad, you can ask some more questions. <laughs> you get to stay. In, you get to stay. Yeah. All right. So if you want to ask us anything uh, next week, just uh, hit us up on Twitter. You can email us, themainland at gmail.com. Um, put ask the mainland in the subject line. Or you can hit us up on Twitter, uh, hashtag asktmlpc. Uh, please ask us whatever is on your mind. Um Life questions, love questions, soccer questions. It doesn't really matter. We we can field them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why don't we turn our attention to the Houston Dynamo and let me get your key matchup and your score prediction before we get out of here. So, I, you know, Houston, as we were talking with Derek, um, 
they're really kind of on a tear right now. They're still looking for that away win. Um, uh-huh. I think they come to the campground, and I think they actually leave with it. Um, my matchup is keeping any one of their potent midfielders quiet. Um, we have seen a b- basic collapse by our midfield in recent weeks in, in holding and keeping the ball, actually being able to pass out of the back. Um, so we it, it's midfield versus midfield. Most Both of these teams kind of playing a lone striker up front that alternates. Um, if we can keep Garcia or Wenger or Maidana, depending on who's up for their rotation this week, because they do seem to imply a good squad rotation policy. Um, mm. Then we'll be able to keep them quiet, but I, I just don't see that happening. We went really long. Um, that 90 minutes was a complete capitulation, but it was played in heavy, hot weather. Um, it much shorter turnaround than Houston had this week. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't see it being good. My score prediction, I'm going to go a little slightly better for Derek. Um, I think it's a 3-1 win for Houston. Um I think Bruin probably gets a start and a goal. Um, Maidana gets another one. Um, Garcia's playing pretty well, too. So, Or, actually, based on our complete breakdown at the back, I'm going to say David Horst grabs one, um, just for fun. <laughs> what about Orlando? <laughs> Orlando um, I think Molino really needs to show what he means to this team with the loss of Vinter. And I think he grabs the lone goal for the city. All right. Well, here's the interesting thing. We don't know if Kaká is playing on on Friday night yet as we record this. Um, he was subbed out at halftime on Monday night. That's something we didn't talk about. Uh, subbed out at halftime. So which means two July 4th games, two times he's left in the 45th minute uh, as he was sent off in the 45th uh, at RSL last year. So this year uh, he was, uh, Adrian Heath said, a thigh injury. Or a calf injury, I'm sorry. Or a cough. Uh, yeah. yeah, or a cough if you're, if you're members of certain newspapers that don't aren't normally the, the normal beat writer. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if he's going to play. I mean, it might be a, a face-saving gesture to say he picked up a knock and when you just really wanted to take him off and save him for Friday, knowing that the team was down two goals and it probably against that quality of opponent wasn't going to come back. Uh, although we've certainly seen the team come back in, you know, in pretty good against pretty good competition, um, it just didn't look like there was a lot of life in that team. And maybe Adrian saw that in their eyes and in their body language and said, uh, "Yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna say it's your calf and take you off and have you ready to go for Friday." Or is he really picked up another knock in those aging legs? Um, and uh, and go from there. I mean, uh... oh, wow, we got some breaking <laughs> news. Holy cow, while we're recording this. <laughs> that is interesting. Yes, it is. So, all right, why don't you, you're the one that told me this via direct message while we're recording this. Why don't you tell the, the, the listeners, as, as we're doing this live, by the time they hear this, they'll already know, but tell me what you just read. Uh, Orlando City fires head coach Adrian Heath. <clears throat> I am, I, I'm still processing it. I, I, I thought he would get till the end of the season, even with Monday's performance. 
Um, it also appears that Mark Watson, the um, assistant coach, who was also an ex-head coach of the San Jose Earthquakes, has also gone too. Um, yeah, wow. Is is Anthony Pulis getting his <laughs> Apparently shot? He might be going to get his shot. Um, yes, the club has not yet named a replacement. Assistant coach Bobby Murphy and Pulis will lead the Lions as interim coaches. Wow. I put that out into the universe. I'm just saying. <sighs> well, we just... the timing of this is curious, yep. don't you think? It is. It didn't happen on Tuesday when the team got back. It didn't happen before then. Is this an overreaction? I'm going to say, and I don't think we've had anybody at training this week, I'm going to say this is actually might have been in the works for a while. Um, I think Monday's performance may have been the end of it, but they've released this, and we're recording after 9 o'clock Wednesday. Um, they have tried to <clears throat> miss this in the, in the main cycle of the day. Um, <laughs> even though it's not going to get buried by any stretch of the imagination. Certainly. Um, but I, I think we've seen we've seen worse performances. So I, we kind of mentioned this in the podcast too. There's something going on with this front office. And this is a prime example of that. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems unlikely that Phil Rollins would have said... I'm not going to stick by him till the end of the season, given their relationship. Yep. Uh, it seems certainly like a Flavio move. Uh, not that we have any inside knowledge of this, Mm-mm. but I'm just saying that it seems like it, from the outside, it seems like something that would maybe have come to an, a, a head in terms of maybe this was something that has been lingering in behind the scenes. You, you're looking at a club that's only, that's got games in hand against a lot of the teams in front of it. Yeah. And, potentially you win those games in hand and you're right in the middle of the playoffs. Well, and, and, and that's an interesting fact is we are, yes, we're south of that red line, but we're not far south. And the Eastern Conference is a bad conference this year. Not just, right. we're and, not just bad, everybody's bad. Yeah, and entering the week, not only, I mean, below the line, but even on points with the with the team above the line. Yeah, I, and so, and, you know, we did take a massive hammering and goal differential there. I just, this feels like it would have been a better move at the end of the season because, okay, the window's open right now, but we have very limited cap space. We really don't have that many international slots unless they have figured out who their man is. This season could go from bad to worse very quickly because it seems to be a loss of the dressing room that has started to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And you have to bring in somebody who's going to unite that dressing room. And I obviously put it out into the ether that they were going to do a coach swap, make sure that you potentially put some money on Adrian Heath managing OCB next year. Um, yeah, I just I'm I'm at a loss. It's it's certainly uh, the timing is weird. It's coming at you know after nine o'clock on a on a Wednesday night. Um, certainly it wasn't the best performance on Monday. You wonder if maybe something happened last week yeah. that prompted maybe a problem. Maybe the now you have to wonder is the Venter thing real? Is the Venter thing maybe a, a player versus coach thing? And maybe he decided that he had enough. Um, 
is it i mean that's i'm not saying it is but i mean these are the questions that you start to ask when something like this happens you saw the performance monday night so clearly you know if something happened last week it would not be out of the realm of possibility if something happened last week for the team to have just gone out there and totally quit on the coach yeah mike you know you make a very good point there because we see them batter their heads against fort lauderdale for 120 minutes and then lose and then mm-hmm. they go out and put out a performance that was I, it, I mean, you know, we've we've said a lot of words about Monday's performance, but it was all, it left us speechless. And mm-hmm. to you have to, you know, the buck has to stop with somebody. And we set up high expectations last year, and we didn't make them. We felt like maybe they're seeing a lot of capitulation from the supporters in terms of season ticket renewals. They're not seeing the numbers that they want. I'm not too sure this is really going to increase attendance for Houston on Saturday, on Friday night. Um, but this is, this is a very interesting move at a very strange time of day to put this out there. It is. And, and just as we do this, uh, there's been a, a letter released from Phil Rollins, uh, again, we're doing this in real time, yep. but you're listening to it. You're listening to it recorded, so this is all going to be old news. But you're you're actually listening to us discover this in real time. Uh, you know, the, the night before, and you know, Phil Rollins puts out. Uh, you know, say it's a sad day for everyone associated with Orlando City and me personally, as we agree to the mutual release of my good friend and our head coach for the past eight years, Adrian Heath, the only coach that's ever coached Orlando City, Andrew. Um, it, obviously, it's correct PR to get everybody on the same page, but I wonder how much this was mutual. Uh, clearly, the Orlando Sentinel saying that he was fired. Um, that is not the same thing as a mutual no. release. And and there are very few coaches who will, like, you know, if, if they're resigning, they're going to resign. Mm-hmm. They'll say, I'm turning in my resignation. And usually the club will let them save face and do that. Um, they won't usually say, you know, it's a mutual thing if – if the coach asks for his, you know, it turns in his resignation, they accept it and they say the coach resigned. Yep. Um, this kind of thing is done all the time as a face saving gesture for the coach. That is not what happened here. They're calling this a mutual release, which basically means he was fired. Yeah. It basically um, says, what do you want? How are you going to fix this? If you don't have any ideas, we're going to agree to part ways because mm-hmm. there's nothing left for us here. Um, I think it's interesting that Watson also left the club too. Um, you would think that somebody who has previous MLS managerial experience would be the person to take this forward. But this is basically them saying, no, something's gone wrong. The playbook is broken. We have to make significant changes. And all of a sudden, you know, I kind of want to take back my score prediction because I feel like we're going to, I think we're going to see some massive changes on this field yeah and i haven't even gotten to mine yet because this <laughs> broke right in the middle of it this the, the, he goes on to say as a board we believe we've reached a tipping point in our club's history where we must evaluate learn and make difficult decisions really just a couple of points out of the playoffs with a game with games in hand is is the time to do that because of one loss that's that smacks of overreaction if that's the truth but the fact that watson was let go too makes me wonder more about the direction of the front office. We've seen we've seen as fans and and as you know media members, we've seen differences in the front office this year. 
legitimate differences that are concerning. And we have talked to people inside the club that are no longer happy that work there that have said, you know, I, yeah, I'm brushing up the resume. Um, things are not as good here as they were. So it, it, to let not only Heath go, but the next logical guy two, ga- two days before a game to lead your team out onto the field, who's done it before, mm-hmm. um, and who has head coaching experience, in the, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, except if there is a rift between the coaching staff and the front office. And there very easily could be, because it, it all started with the Carnero debacle. Mm-hmm. Well, and I th- uh, and I think having Watson leave too, maybe it's not it's not front office head coaching staff. This could be coaching staff players. I think you you might be. be right on there. Yeah, it it could be that. I mean, there's there are a lot of possibilities here, and, and just throwing them out there is I don't feel like is a. I know some people would say that that's irresponsible, but I think it's 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 a talking point, and we're 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 prefacing all of this by saying these are things that we don't know. But they could be root causes, well, and it's up it's up to the facts. When the facts come out, you know maybe they will come out someday, maybe in a book or maybe in you know interviews where we will find out more, and maybe it will always be buried and we'll never really know. But the fact of the matter is, is this is a pretty huge moment in the history of this club, changing head coaches for the first time ever, and 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 you doing something you don't normally see by also firing the key assistant. So um, yes, it could be it could be coaching staff front office. You didn't get us the players we wanted. You know, um, it started with Car- you know Carnero, and now you know Phil Rollins doesn't get us the players we want. Maybe they want to, uh, the office to spend money or get them certain guys, and they won't go after them because they're they're not at the right price point or whatever. Or it could be that the players have gone to management and said we can't work with these guys anymore. I mean, they're they're. The Monday night performance leans toward the latter, right? Yeah, I, I think it does. Is that they 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 didn't come? It's not like we saw thirty minutes of good action. We just saw an entire capitulation by a roster that that is just south of that red line. It's not people who didn't know what they were doing. They've been playing this game for a really long time. Mm-hmm. But this, I mean. Once again, and you know, we are hearing this in real time. We are CNNing this. We are pushing out a bunch of theories, which will probably claim not to be true, but we're going yeah. to at least talk about them. And this maybe also goes back to what we said earlier: was Kakar behind this, and that ability to just take him out at 45 minutes after not having a great game? Uh, yeah, this this just leads to so many threads that you want to pull, and, mm-hmm. and so many ideas that I just don't see why you make this change when we're coming into the All Star Game, so you're going to have an enforced break. We're going to have, I mean, we're coming up to that. That's going to give it time for a team to regroup and get back to basics. To do this now before a Friday night game that is now less than 48 hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it, it seems like they're already walking away from the three points on Friday too. It, it would be a very tall order for this team to go out against any team in the league, even the, even the, the bottom feeding team in the Western conference, uh, or even if it was Chicago, the bottom feeding team in the Eastern conference, it would be very difficult to go out there in this situation 
with Bobby Murphy and Anthony Pulis being in charge of Orlando City, uh, it would be very difficult to see them getting a result. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's going to be, not only is it a disruption in the normal pattern of things, uh, not only is it a disruption of the, you know, mentally, um, it, it is a, it's a shock in terms of, even if the players drove this change, it's still a shock to, to, to the players in terms of things being different. It, it's, a, it's a different mindset. It's a different, uh, I mean, everything has changed. And it's going it, to, even if it gets better, it's going to take a bit before that happens. It's not going to happen right away. It's going to take a minute because when, you know, you and me, we're on, we're on the, <laughs> the podcast together and we're shocked by it. And we're not really affected in terms of our day-to-day activities. Um, you know, a little bit as bloggers we are, but not like, you know, these guys' whole livelihood. is. is it's like walking into to the office and your boss has been fired. Yeah. And it, even though things might get better in the office, there's going to be a day or two where you're kind of scrambling and not really sure what you're doing. Yeah, and I think that that's even more important as we're approaching a game. That's why I think with the All-Star break coming up, if you're going to make that change, make it then. Give people the ability to adjust. Obviously, Pulis is going to be playing a different system. We're going to see some changes. And I think that that's so important right now. And seeing a team get blown out like that and then not... Even if it is the players that potentially force this, you don't necessarily even think that you have that power. So when it happens, you sit there in shock and... And you wonder how it comes to be, but you also then, you know, who stays and who goes now, if you think about it? The window's open. Do people start mm-hmm. asking for moves? Are there already trades in the work that says, you know, is my position under threat? I mean, you have to think that Bods is certainly out on his way out the door now. Um, yeah. Molino probably actively looks for a trade unless the next guy has the same faith in him. I think we see a completely different Orlando City take the field come opening day of next season now. Yeah, I think it definitely speaks uh, to a lot of changes uh, personnel-wise. Molino's thing for me is, though, that he's he's proven around the league and earned respect around the league to where I think that anybody that would come in that's that would would respect him and and certainly want to try to build around a player of his, of his caliber. Um but certainly, if he were, if he and Heath were close, um, it would certainly give him pause. Cert, uh, you know, um, a guy like Luke Bowden is being—he's basically on this team because Adrian Heath likes him. Yep. Uh, there's really no other reason. I mean, they didn't have to bring him forward. Um, you wonder about a guy like Harrison Heath. What's his future here now that his dad is not the coach anymore? Um, not that he's not a talented kid with a lot of potential, but. You know, that could be one of those things where a new guy comes in and decides, you know, coach's kid, let's let's move him along and give him a fresh start somewhere. Um, and, of course, now we're left with the, the biggest question of what is the long-term hire here? Mm-hmm. If Anthony Pulis comes in and does a good job, I assume he's going to get a shot. Uh, I, I think you have to look at other candidates and you have to think James O'Connor would be a candidate potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what he's done some great things with Louisville City in, t- in just two years. It took an expansion team to the second-best team in the league last year and the best team in the league so far this year, um, and, do- and doing it with different players. He lost his he lost his defender league defender of the year and league MVP this year, 
and the team's even better. So you, you think James O'Connor's done a fantastic job. He's a potential candidate. You got to look at maybe Dunga. He's Brazilian. Kaká likes him. He's got to be at least getting an interview oh or a phone call. Oh, my God, Dunga. I just couldn't even imagine that. I But, you know, yeah, I mean, you got to posit it out there. Flavio is, is, is a big proponent of making this a Brazilian-type team. And, you know, with Kaká being the captain, uh, he's going to get a phone call. There's no question. Wouldn't you think? I think without a doubt. He's jobless and we're coachless. <laughs> so, so, I mean, obviously we're going to have more... Uh, to come at the mainland on this, you know, in, in days to come and weeks to come as this unfolds and, and we have more time to actually uh, think about it rather than just react in the moment. But, um, uh, man, it's, this is not the way I envisioned this podcast going. <laughs> just completely different trajectory. If we'd have just spent a little less time on the pride, <laughs> the podcast would have ended, Andrew. But, you know, <laughs> you do realize we would have had to have done a special podcast or something to get our reactions on this. So it, we oh, just saved man. ourselves time. I don't know if we saved ourselves time. <laughs> I, I know that I could probably would have rather had time to gather my thoughts than to just been blindsided like this. Uh, plus I'm, I'm the night editor tonight, so I'm going to have to edit this uh, story once it goes, <laughs> once it's ready from Gavin and all that stuff. So, and I haven't even tucked my, my child in yet, so I got to get going. So uh, on that note, I'm going to give you my key matchup of the game. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I can't imagine this game even being close now. Um, but maybe it will be surprising. I was going to, before the Adrian Heath news, I was going to predict a 1-1 draw and say that the key matchup is the uh, is Kevin Alston against that left side of, of Houston. The, whoever's uh, bringing the ball up the left side in the midfield, but also Demarcus Beasley. Uh, I think that's a, a very important matchup in the game. That's still going to be my key matchup. But now I'm predicting a 3-0 loss. You're not going for that bounce back that, you know, new players come in, they feel jazzed about it. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's going to be a complete shock. Uh, I I just think it's going to be, the team's going to be a bit discombobulated from this kind of a a shock so close to game time. I mean, they're less than 48 hours from kickoff when this happened. Uh, Who knows when when was the team told this? Uh, It didn't come out at training today, so it wasn't a midday thing. Um, I think probably maybe the team was told about it around five or six o'clock this evening. Uh, this, this smacks of like midweek managerial meeting, like post six o'clock for me, I feel like I, yeah. I and maybe they just all got like texts or calls or something yeah. too. They might, might not have even been a, a team meeting about mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, unless the, unless, and, and even if, if there was, let's say this too, if there's a Wednesday night team meeting, just out of the blue like that, that's also going to freak people out because <laughs> dis- it disrupts your your game week and it disrupts your your you know your circadian game rhythm you know your your uh, your normal work week. So um, I, yeah, I just don't see it being a favorable outcome for Orlando City. Uh, our apologies to Derek Stowers who might have adjusted his <laughs> score and everything had had we known this. Um, yeah, I'm just almost speechless. If I had, if if I wasn't babbling so much, I would be speechless. But I think that's the way kind of I cope with things like this is I I talk incessantly. Um, it's going to be an interesting few days for sure. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who the team goes out and gets. Um, the speculation is going to be fun. Oh. 
whether or not you know this was forced by the players, whether or not it was a management versus coaching staff thing where maybe the man it, you, know, we, you and I talked about Carlos Rivas at the start of this show. Mm-hmm. Maybe Phil Rollins and Flavio De Silva said, we've got you these young talented players and you're not using them, use them. And you know, any coach worth his salt is going to say, I decide who I play. You know, you don't decide who I play. I decide that. I, I just, I feel like my, my biggest thing would, was, you know, you watched us get absolutely blown out in a system that wasn't working against a high press. And tactically, there were no changes. That, for me, as a, if I was the front office, scares me. I, mm-hmm. And we had seen that before, too. But, you know, we'd seen some great games, too. We blew out Portland. We blew out L.A. last year. It, MLS is a, is a league of peaks and troughs. I, yeah. Andrew, we're less than a week from beating Toronto. I know. And beating in, in like that kind of, you know, emotional moment, too. That was a great game. We were standing next to each other when that goal went in. Yeah. I, I think it, it's curious timing. I think there will be a lot written by us, the Sentinel commentators. I see Facebook is already literally on fire um, <laughs> with people's comments and hot takes. It's, it's going to be a long night. And... I, I don't know who's – I'm thinking, racking my brain of who's available right now. I don't see us going out and getting a big-name coach. I, I, I wait, This is not a club that's spending money right now. This is a club that is learning how to play this league because it's mm-hmm. learned that money cannot buy this league. Yeah, despite that's a, true. Despite the LA Galaxy winning a lot of titles, <laughs> money doesn't really buy it because occasionally you buy a Nigel De Jong who can't stop himself getting. But can't you just go buy a a, a Via and a Pirlo and a Lampard? Maybe it, it takes time. They they <laughs> they fired their coach last season. That's they true. They got Vieira, and now they're sitting pretty after tonight's one nil win atop a yes woeful Eastern Conference, but they're still top of the eastern conference and when it's a woeful conference that you play in if you're not above that line you're you're the some of the worst of the bunch and so changes have to happen indeed indeed um well on that note uh andrew i think we should call it a podcast uh podcast number 56 is in the books and um what a very very strange strange uh podcast it turned out to be uh, Orlando City has fired head coach uh, Adrian Heath. Uh, we want to thank Derek Stowers, editor of Dynamo Theory, for being here 100 years ago. Uh, <laughs> it seems like 100 years ago uh, to be our guest on this week's podcast. Uh, check us out at themainland.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the mainland, Maine like Alliance, Maine, M-A-N-E. And, uh, of course, like us on uh, Facebook. Get those questions into us. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot about the coaching staff next week. Uh, hashtag ask TMLPC and, uh, or you can email us the mainland at gmail.com uh, on behalf of Andrew Harrison. I am Michael Citro saying go city.